the podcast's guide to the conspiracy, featuring Josh Edison and M. Dentoff. Hello and welcome to the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy in Auckland, New Zealand. I am Josh Edison and it's uh, it's just me today. So after we recorded last week's episode, it occurred to us that although we have mentioned this to our patrons in the bonus episodes, we hadn't actually talked about upcoming changes to the podcast with you, our, our wider listenership. So um, surprise, Em's in China again. Uh, M has taken up a position once more at Zhuhai University in China and uh, would be there, must must be there by now, probably getting settled in as we speak. So for this week, it's just going to be me and then hopefully from next week we'll be back to the, to the internet-based recording which seemed to do the job the last time M was over there. Uh, so that, that, that's going to be the new normal, we hope. Uh, from next week, but for now it's, a, it's another another one of those good old filler episodes from me, uh, and I've once again dug into our little 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 bag of potential topics and pulled out an interesting one, another depressing one. They're all depressing. We need we need to do more work at finding uh, whimsical, hilarious conspiracy theories to talk about, maybe. But um, this isn't one. This is another dire one. Uh, so I should play a. Ch- I should also get a chime. Do we need a Josh's filler episodes chime? Ends ends the usual chime smith, so we don't actually have one of those. But we'll see. I'm going to play something, and then I'm going to start talking about this week's topic. So what I have to talk to you about today is toxic oil syndrome. Not just any toxic oil syndrome. Spanish toxic oil syndrome. You see, in 1981, Spain experienced a a somewhat confounding wave of illnesses, which would eventually see around 20,000 people hospitalized uh, with a condition that left thousands of them disabled and resulted in between 300 and 1,000 deaths, depending on who you listen to. It uh, it It was not a nice affair. The first official victim of this this outbreak was a young boy who unfortunately died on the way to La Paz Children's Hospital in Madrid on the 1st of May 1981. Uh, the disease people noticed seemed to disproportionately affect women and children. Uh, now when, when the people at the hospital found out that this boy's five siblings were also affected with whatever it was that had, had killed him, uh, they were taken to hospital as well, where they were treated for what appeared at first to be pneumonia. Uh, this this condition, whatever was wrong with them, was affecting their lungs uh, and, and the various victims. It, it was just a very nasty thing. It affected their lungs, but various other organs did all sorts of very nasty, serious damage throughout the body, which as I say, resulted in numerous deaths and in some of the people who survived uh, in, in lifelong debilitation. Now, although they thought it was pneumonia, when the hospital's director, a Dr. Antonio Muro y Fernandez Cavada, who will be coming up a bit, when he got in and, and heard what was going on, he basically said, no, no, it can't be pneumonia. It, it was, uh, according to what I've read, quote, medically impossible 
unquote, for five members of a family to be suffering the same symptoms of pneumonia at the same time. I I guess if it were actually a pneumonia outbreak, you'd expect one person to get it and then spread it to the others so the symptoms would be be spread out, would be staggered between them or something. So he said, no, it it can't be that they're all suffering from pneumonia in this way. It has to be something else. Unfortunately, this this family was far from the only one affected, and as as many more cases of people suffering from the same symptoms started to show up, uh, Dr. Miro said to the media that he suspected it was some sort of food poisoning, something that these people had all come into contact with the same thing at the same time, which had all affected them in the same way. So because the cases had all been coming from sort of towns and communities around Madrid, but not from the city itself, he figured this was probably something that had come from the local markets in these communities. And he and his colleagues uh, started interviewing the various uh, uh, family members of the people who'd been affected, trying to work out what it could have been that the people who'd been affected by this had eaten recently that the people who weren't affected had not eaten. And fairly quickly they hit on salad, seems to be the thing that all the victims had in common. So Dr. Moreau assumed that the source would have, would have come from these travelling markets that went around the communities from, from, from town to town and figured it must have been something that had been purchased at these markets and, and was, was in fact able to predict where the next cases would come from by looking at, OK, people just got sick from this area where the markets have just been. They're now just moving to this new area, so we're probably going to see um, cases coming from that area. And he was right. Um, this of course, was cold comfort to the people who were already ill because this didn't actually get them any closer to a cure. It just got them a little bit closer to working out where what, what, what the ultimate cause of this illness was. So he went to the uh, markets himself, apparently, and and noticed that there were there was a big big containers of cooking oil being sold there, and thought, oh, maybe that's maybe that's the cause. And sure enough, um, a month into the outbreak, a Dr. Juan Tabuenca Oliver, who was the director of another hospital, also declared that cooking oil was the cause, that he had supposedly interviewed all of the children in his hospital who were sick, and, and every one of them had, had um, eaten a meal involved, involved in cooking oil. Uh, given that it was salad, presumably used as salad oil, uh, before they got sick. Uh, the government fairly quickly accepted this theory and then announced publicly that, yes, we, we, we've determined that this illness that's, that's going all over the place and is affecting so many people is, is food poisoning as a result of contaminated cooking oil. So throw out your cooking oil if you're, if you're not sure about it and indeed actually started an exchange program where people could hand over potentially tainted oil and receive uh, new olive oil instead. Um, and so around the time they made this announcement, once, once, they, once this was communicated, uh, the cases dropped dramatically and the, the panic, which you can imagine was going on in society, subsided fairly quickly as well. So this then was the official theory of what was going on, and it did seem to make some sort of sense. So the history of it is that to protect their local olive oil industry, Spain had legislated that rapeseed oil, which was a lot cheaper and which was imported from other countries, could only be used for industrial purposes. And to ensure that this was the case, uh, any rapeseed oil sold in Spain had to have a chemical called aniline added to it to make it inedible. 
but people still imported the oil, denatured it to remove the aniline, and then sold it as cooking oil on the cheap. Now, the illness and death was put down to aniline poisoning as a result of sellers either not properly removing the aniline or just not bothering to at all, because they're already, they're already breaking the law by selling it as, as cooking oil, so the less scrupulous among them might have just flicked it off as cheaply as they could. Uh, so eventually a, a bunch of, of oil merchants were arrested and, and charged with various crimes around causing, uh, causing this, this, this outbreak and, and being ultimately responsible for between 300 and 1,000 deaths. Apparently only a very small number of them, only like three or four of them, actually were, were, were uh, received jail time as a result as a result of this but they were where the where the blame was laid and for a long time afterwards there were organizations devoted to getting compensation for the victims of so-called toxic oil syndrome as far as I know they could still be around today they, they seem to persist for quite a while after after um, this uh, that the outbreak was ended. So that is the official theory, the official, the official story put forward by the Spanish government. But there is also a conspiracy theory associated with, with this whole affair. So back in 2001, 20 years after the initial event, an investigative journalist called Bob Woffenden published a story called Cover Up in The Guardian, where he put forward a different version of events. Because while, while there is, there is a, a logic, I guess, to the official theory, you, you, you knew you had the stuff that shouldn't, shouldn't have been fit for human consumption that was being sold for human consumption, there, there, was, there, there were still problems with the official theory. And the biggest problem with the official theory is that while it says all the epidemiological evidence proves that cooking oil was the cause, and, and by that they mean... They'd sort of, you know, studying the outbreak and how, how it had happened and what the people had in common, they believed they had determined that people who had ingested this oil had got sick and people who didn't, didn't. Therefore, that, that is their evidence that cooking oil was the cause. In spite of that, no one has ever been able to say exactly how the poisoning worked, exactly how it was that this tainted oil cause these people to get sick and in some cases die. Aniline poisoning is a thing, but by itself doesn't cause the exact symptoms that the victims experienced. And subsequent experiments to try and, and sort of come up with a, a, a causative agent have, have basically come up short. Um, there's a lot of chemistry involved, which didn't make a lot of sense to me, but the, the short version appears to be that they were assuming that certain chemical compounds would have been present in these kinds of cooking oil that had had stuff done to it and that the, these particular compounds would have been poisonous to people, but then when they actually got these compounds and tested them on animals, they showed that of, of the three different candidate compounds that they believe would have been present in these oils, apparently uh, one of them proved to be not poisonous at all. One of them was only poisonous if it was delivered in quantities much, much greater than would have existed in the oil, and one of them was only poisonous if it was injected, but not if it was ingested. So there was, there's always been this problem with the official theory, that they, they believe they've got evidence that shows cooking oil must have been the cause, and yet they have never been able to show how it was actually the cause. 
So there were there was an alternate theory uh, near the start of Mr. Woffington's article when he's he's talking about the early stages of this outbreak. He writes on May the twelfth, and remember the, the the first case was May the first, so there's less than two weeks into the outbreak. On May the twelfth, Dr. Angel Peralta, the head of the endocrinology department at La Paz Hospital, pointed out in a newspaper article that the symptoms of the illness were best explained by quote poisoning by organophosphates. End quote. The following day, he received a telephone call from the health ministry ordering him to say nothing about the epidemic and certainly nothing about organophosphorus poisoning. So right away, he's suggesting some, some sort of a cover-up may be going on. And he also points out that uh, Dr. Muno was also dismissed as head of his hospital fairly early on in the affair. Doesn't the, the article doesn't actually say specifically why he was dismissed. That, that, that part of it wasn't clear. It was apparently it, it happened, or at least it's mentioned in the article directly after the bit where he successfully was able to predict where outbreaks were going to occur and yet had not come uh, any closer to a cure. So maybe the, the, the implication was that he was dismissed because it had been a couple of weeks and he, he hadn't produced any results maybe that was it but but the article unfortunately doesn't just simply says you know he was fired at that time now he though continued investigating with a bunch of colleagues and they found apparently around the same time the government was officially announcing that cooking oil was the cause of this illness they found that oil samples that they had taken from various affected households and had analysed were, were, were all different. There were all sorts of different kinds of oils with different kinds of compositions. And so they believed, while, while Dr. Murnau himself had first you know, been one of the people who thought cooking oil could have been the cause, when they saw that there was a, a wide range of different oils involved, then said, okay, well, it can't be oil then, because the, the, there are so many different ones, they don't have anything in common, so that can't be the source. And so having investigated further at the other things people had been eating, they eventually concluded that the source of this illness was actually tomatoes, tomatoes which had been contaminated by organophosphates and pesticides. Um, there was, there was a, the, the area that they had come from was an area that had uh, an area in the southern part of Spain that had been sort of quite quite dry and, and deserty. But then in the 70s they found um, underground water and then new far that, that combined with new farming techniques, in particular the use of new fertilizers and and pesticides had. Um, caused, uh, it allowed them to, to sort of get a, a booming farming operation going there. And so the so now the theory was that farmers who were not used to these new chemicals that they were being told to use on their crops had maybe used more than they should have, had maybe, th th there's no specific theory, but, but one way or another, these um, these poisonous compounds were able to, were, ended up on the tomatoes one way or another. And so that these people who had been affected had not been, uh, was not a result of aniline poisoning, it was a result of organophosphorus poisoning, which, of course, is what that other doctor had said as a, as a guess of what it seemed like to him earlier on. Uh, at the time, there were some people who agreed with, with Dr. Moreau's idea, but this he, he was coming up with this after the government had already announced that, yes, cooking oil is the cause, everyone had heard that, 
that, that, that had become the official line, and so it was a lot harder for an opposing theory to gain traction. And then, unfortunately, um, he died in 1985, and I guess with its, with its main proponent gone, the pesticide theory lost a lot of its support, it would seem. So the conspiracy theory that Mr. Woffington is suggesting is that the Spanish government endorsed the oil theory and actively suppressed the pesticide theory, largely for sort of economic and political reasons. So blaming imported foreign oil would be much better than blaming locally grown produce. You know, if, if they get people to stop buying this imported oil, which they weren't supposed to be buying in the first place, that would only be good for the local olive oil industry. Whereas if it turned out that locally grown tomatoes had been poisoning people, then that well, that's obviously going to be bad for Spain's economy. That's going to we would have all sorts of implications for the farming operations in that part of Spain and could potentially do damage to the economy. Uh, Woffenden also talks about how the Spanish government apparently was not super stable in the early 1980s. Spain had been a dictatorship under Franco until the mid-70s, so it hadn't been a functioning democracy for very long, and apparently there had even been a minor sort of attempted coup just a few months before all this kicked off um, earlier in 1981. A, a general or colonel or someone held a bunch of MPs at gunpoint while trying to reinstate military rule or something like that. It's a, nothing, nothing much came of that, but obviously the government was, was very keen not to provoke any sort of doubt in its abilities. So a fast solution that gave them certainty, that allowed them to give a give a clear answer to the people, stop any sort of panic while also strengthening local business would be the best for them. So that's that's the theory that, that Woffington's putting forward, that the government picked the theory that was best for them and actively worked to promote that one while covering up the other, in his eyes, at least more plausible theory as to what actually went on. So that's that, that's the motive for a conspiracy to cover up. Uh, when you read through this, the cover-up article in the Guardian, the bulk of it basically goes through uh, a whole lot of a whole lot of essentially attacking this this idea of the um, epidemiological evidence, which is the basis for the cooking oil theory. So the official theory says that epidemiology shows that everyone who got sick had consumed this tainted oil. People who didn't consume the oil didn't get sick, therefore must have been the oil. And Woffenden's article basically goes through a bunch of cases where he claims that actually that isn't true. There are, there are plenty of people who did get sick who hadn't had any of this this cooking oil, uh, and vice versa. He um, mentioned, he go, goes through basically a bunch of cases of people, uh, people who became sick, and yet the rest of their family said, we didn't, we didn't ever use any of that sort of oil, we didn't have it in the house, we only ever used proper olive oil, so we could, it couldn't have come from the oil in our case. Even people apparently basically testifying to this in, in, different, um, in different venues, and when when being confronted with the fact that, okay, the government, you know, there the, the were reports and studies and what have you done, and this this was recorded that you said you did use this oil, and they were basically saying, well, no, I don't know what the, why the report says that, but I sure as hell didn't. Uh, so j just to give you one example of this, uh, again, to quote from the article, 
Even more amazing was the study concerning a convent outside Madrid. According to this, 42 out of 43 nuns fell ill after using the oil, while visitors whose food was prepared in a different oil did not fall ill. From an official perspective, the beauty of this epidemiology was not just that it provided game, set, and match for the oil theory, but that no one could afterwards check the veracity of the paper. This was a closed convent. The nuns had no routine contact with members of the public, and they certainly didn't talk to the media. In the event, senior nuns from the convent did give evidence at the trial. Their testimony flatly contradicted what was written in the convent report. Of course, all the food was prepared in the same way and cooked in the same oil. In fact, only very few nuns, about eight or nine, suffered any illness. The epidemiological report was a fabrication. So, so Woffenden actually goes so far as to say that the government flat-out lied in the studies that they commissioned and the in the reporting that was done, that they, they produced results that said that, again, the epidemiological evidence showed that cooking oil had to have been the cause when they actually knew full well that this was not the case and were simply making up data to fit the conclusion that they liked. Woffenden was, was also critical of government programs around all of this. For example, that, um, that oil exchange uh, where, where you could bring in your, your tainted oil and get olive oil in exchange apparently would accept basically any old oil you, you showed up with so people could just use it as a way to, to get rid of crappy old oil that they had lying around to get a nice new, nice new supply of olive oil and that the oil that was handed in wasn't kept or tested or anything like that. Another thing was that th th there was a scheme for getting compensation, but in order to get the compensation, you had to be on the government's list of like officially recorded victims, and the only people who would be put on the list were people who had said that, yes, they had used tainted cooking oil. So there was an incentive for people to say that they had used the oil, even if they actually hadn't, if they wanted to get compensation. Now, to make things even more conspiratorial, uh, the Woffenden article also mentions um, cases, other cases apart from Dr. Uh, Moreau getting, of people getting fired for questioning the official story. So a couple of years after all of this, in 1983, there were still questions about exactly what had gone down, and so the Spanish government set up an inquiry into the illnesses, headed by doctors Javier Martinez Ruiz and Maria Clavera Ortiz, apparently husband and wife which isn't super relevant, but interesting, who, who often in quotes is saying, we absolutely believed the oil was to blame. We thought the only problem was that the information was disorganized and the research inadequate. So they set about investigating so that they could actually get, get all of the, the, the right information in one place, present it properly, and, and actually prove the official story. However, when they started investigating for themselves, they showed that the distribution of the foreign oil didn't match the distribution of cases. There were places where a lot of this this supposedly uh, tainted oil had been sold that didn't produce any any illnesses. Um, and then also investigate when they went back and investigated the timeline of cases, they showed that the drop off in cases actually started sometime before the government made their announcement, telling everybody to stop using the oil, which again was it was part of the evidence. The government government told people, hey, cooking oil could be poisonous, make sure you're using proper olive oil, and then the cases, the case numbers go down markedly, but apparently, according to these doctors, the case numbers were already starting to go down, so in fact the announcement that it was cooking oil hadn't had any effect. Uh, now apparently, these two doctors having, having announced their findings were fired from the, uh, from the inquest, uh, and the inquest itself was eventually shut down when it was found that even without the two doctors who were leading it, they were still able to 
potentially produce results. Uh, similarly, the government at around the time of the outbreak had created uh, the post of Secretary of State for Consumer Affairs at Cabinet level, and a man called Enrique Martinez de, de Genique was appointed to this position, uh, who then set about doing his own research on what was going on, and he also concluded that there was no correlation between where the oil was actually being sold and where cases were popping up. And when he presented his findings to the health ministry, he was also fired. So, so all of this together um, means that, that the, the Woffenden article is saying in fairly uncertain terms that there was a conspiracy to cover up the true cause of these illnesses and deaths um, it was a conspiracy that was done specifically to aid the Spanish economy and, and bolster the Spanish government's position, and that people knowingly lied about an event that was responsible for a, a shocking number of hospitalizations and injuries and deaths. And that is the conspiracy theory. So, so what, 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 what can we conclude here? Everything happened in 1981. This article came out in 2001. As far as I'm aware, the official uh, uh, official version of events is still the accepted version of events. This the, the conspiracy theory never seemed to get any legs. And I guess the main the main problem with the conspiracy theory is that there's not a lot of evidence for it. Um, like I say, the article spends a lot of time attacking the official story's evidence, this epidemiological evidence for their case, and saying that the, that the official version's evidence is wanting, but it doesn't provide a lot of evidence for its own. I mean, the, the organophosphates thing comes about because one doctor said initially that these cases look like organophosphate poisoning, and the other doctors believed that, 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 that it was actually tomatoes that could potentially have been contaminated with organophosphates that caused it. But there was no, no hard evidence of this. The, the, the Woffenden article, it makes a lot of... The, the, the other thing about it is it's just an article in The Guardian. It's not a scientific paper. It, isn't, it, it, it has no citations or sources or anything that backs any of it up. It's just a whole bunch of claims that this happened and that happened, this was false, that wasn't true, this, pe this person said that. And there's no real... Um, it doesn't really ever say exactly where Woffenden's getting a lot of this information from, which is also frustrating. So much as there's no evidence to show how the cooking oil could have actually poisoned people, there's no evidence that shows any of these victims were actually poisoned by organophosphates. But then, of course, the conspiracy theory argument goes, well, well no, of course they weren't, because the government was quite specifically not testing for that. There was, there was an accepted theory of the time of what was going wrong, so why would anyone have been testing for something that was apparently had nothing to do with the cause? And something which, if you believe the conspiracy theory, the government would have been doing its standards to make sure nobody looked into. So all in all, there's a, there's a, a distinct lack of... of of, of smoking gun type evidence on both sides for, for both the official theory and the conspiracy theory. Uh, and all we have is accusations from the conspiracy theory that the official theory's epidemiological evidence on which it rests entirely is not just wrong, but flat out fraudulent. So it, it really comes down to who do you believe, I guess. Now, the, the big who 
in this um, this story is, of course, the actual WHO, the WHO, the World Health Organization. Now, and to this day, they state that the outbreak was caused by cooking oil. Although, if you go and look on the the WHO's website and see the articles they have about it, the articles will all mention that. Although, according to them, it is clear and undisputably true from the epidemiological evidence that cooking oil was the cause of these illnesses. They do all say that, but we don't actually know how, and that testing that we thought would show how this could have been poisonous, uh, in fact, did not. So if there were a conspiracy, either not only was the Spanish government in on it, the World Health Organization was in on it as well, or you could say perhaps, I guess, that they were simply happy to take the Spanish government at their word and and had no real interest at looking into the other theories. And so there you have it. An interesting an interesting case, I think. Uh, an interesting case where, where you have a very a very clear official theory versus a conspiracy theory. So all of those people who like to talk about how conspiracy theories are are opposed to official ones uh, would be right at home here. And unfortunately, one at the end of the day that doesn't seem to be anything clues. Now, like I say, if you, if you read that article in The Guardian, it does seem like something of a slam dunk, but that's literally all there is. Like, everything I've told you about the conspiracy theory version of events came from this article because it, I, I, I could not find any other references that any of this information might have come from, and any official reports around it all, all start from the idea that the, the official version is the correct version. But there you go, an interesting case nonetheless, I think. So, once again, all things going to plan. Next week we'll be back with a regular episode, me and Em together again, only not together, on the other side of the planet, but that hasn't stopped us in the past. So, until then, uh, I think... There's nothing left for me to say, but I'll see you all next week one way or another, and goodbye. The podcast's Guide to the Conspiracy stars Josh Addison and myself, Associate Professor M.R.X. Denter. Our show's conspiracy producers are Tom and Philip, plus another mysterious anonymous donor. You can contact Josh and myself at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com and please do consider joining our Patreon. And remember, nothing is real, everything is permitted, but conditions apply.